1: Just being immersed in the Korean family and the nuances of it kind of takes you back of like what it was to be with your family in a new environment, but also trying to fit in. There's a lot of genuine feelings I evoke from the movie. It feels familiar, but also feels new and very immersive.
2: I definitely had a real emotional response. I was just really touched by how sweet and gentle a story it is. And it it both felt like a story that was so new because we don't unfortunately see a lot of stories about Asian Americans, but it felt like an American family story as well.
0: we're no one's model minority.
3: This is a show about all of you, for all of us. Hey, Roman. Hey, Sharon. Did you catch the Oscars on Sunday? Uh, no. Seriously, dude? Do you live under a rock?
0: Well, I am recording from my basement right now, (laughs) but I kind of have a lot going on. Three podcasts, secret projects, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Ooh, I do like secrets. Well, in case you missed it, this year was a pretty big one for movies.
0: No, it wasn't. Nobody went to the theaters. In fact, (laughs) Bad Boys I think was the highest-grossing film because it came out before the (laughs) lockdowns. Bad Boys, guys, and uh, most of us were stuck at home, streaming on Disney, Quibi, Flix Plus, Max, or whatever.
3: You're such a buzzkill. (laughs) You're right. But there was some pretty epic stuff that came
0: out this year. That's right. There's this show called Warrior. It's a Kung Fu action adventure period piece created uh-huh. by Bruce Lee set in the late 1800s post-Civil War San Francisco.
3: You've been telling me about it for the last four months, probably, I think, since you first rediscovered it. And I still haven't watched it yet. We need to
0: reevaluate our friendship.
3: Okay. Okay. We'll save that for another episode.
0: <laughs> the TV show Warrior or our friendship? Yes. 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 Okay, okay. So Sharon, I'll bite. Why are we talking about the Oscars? Why is this a big deal?
3: Oh, I don't know. How many things can we say? Chloe Zhao made history as the best director for Nomadland. She's the first woman of color and the first Chinese woman to win the Oscar for best director. And her acceptance speech was amazing. Nomadland also won best picture as well. I can't say her name. (laughs) How do we say? say
2: (laughs) I believe it's Yeo Jung Yoon.
1: Yeah, Yeo Jung Yoon. Okay.
2: (laughs) Don't feel bad. Brett (laughs) Pitt couldn't pronounce it last night either.
3: (laughs) I know, I know. Okay. Yeo Jung Yoon was the first Korean ever to win a supporting actress, and her acceptance speech was also super charming and just made everybody laugh. Viola Davis is now the most nominated Black actress in history. And Riz Ahmed is the first Muslim nominated for Best Actor. And Minari had like a gazillion nominations.
0: Okay, I actually did watch that one. So I say (laughs) we call this episode Modern Minari.
3: I love it. I love it. Deal. But I think we're going to need a little help from our friends.
0: Like people who actually watch movies and have time for it? Yeah,
3: those types of people.
0: Hey, John, what's up, man? Hey, Roman. Hey, Sharon. How are you guys doing?
3: Well, look, it's the friend of the pod, John
0: Pollock. What up, man? So look, I am guessing John is uniquely qualified to talk about Minari because of his impeccable tastes. (laughs) I'm
2: not so sure about that, but I'm happy to do so. I love the film. And I guess unlike you guys, I don't have kids running around. I got a little bit more time on my hands to watch an Oscar movie here or there.
0: I hear you watch a lot of Italian spaghetti westerns.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I try to separate my work life from my personal life. So not too much Italian cinema for me outside of the office.
0: All right, John. So one day when you and Chris have kids, you will learn how hard it is to watch anything. <laughs> that is not on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, John, we are going to be talking about Minari and you're not exactly from... Long Arkansas? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. Clearly we need more people. Hey, Gian.
1: hey so i guess i'll I'll be representing the korean perspective hopefully i won't disappoint my mom or any other korean mothers out there
0: there are that's (laughs) our audience is entirely korean american mothers exactly
1: (laughs) tune tune in for just this my mom texts me she's like you gotta watch the oscars
0: (laughs) (laughs) so this is our other friend of the pod Gian kirtley who happens to be from new jersey jersey
1: (laughs) cincinnati (laughs)
0: But by
3: way of New Jersey, (laughs) Spain, and Korea, which is key.
0: (laughs) Okay, so if my forced uh, terrible podcast intro (laughs) that is scripted was not terrible enough, let's just get right into it. So I finally got around (laughs) to watching Minari a few nights ago, and I was blown away. I don't want to think it's because I don't watch enough good movies anymore, but it I think it definitely deserves all the hype and accolades. And I don't know, uh, Sharon. Everyone else, what did you guys think of Minari?
3: Well, my take on movies or rather how I feel about movies is usually how I respond to them. And this was definitely for me a big tearjerker. I was just bawling at various points of the movie. So I found it to be super raw and real and did such a nice job of portraying the immigrant experience in America. What did you think, John?
2: Well, I definitely also had a real emotional response. I definitely teared up a couple times, but I also laughed a lot and was just really touched by just how sweet and gentle a story it is. And it it, it both felt like a story that was so new, because obviously, we don't unfortunately see a lot of stories about Asian Americans, certainly not about Korean immigrants. But it also felt like like an American family story as well and, and just you had this dichotomy of all these different amazing characters and individually in their relationships was just something that was really organic and and special
0: well okay so Gian I Actually, I was really curious beyond like the obvious reasons about what you thought, because you and I, we go way back. And as your former roommate and my wife would declare that you and I have some overlapping sensibilities (laughs) when it comes to weird, dark stuff, be it TV, music, or even movies. I I don't know. What did you think? Because some of this, you didn't grow up in Arkansas, but... There's a little bit of your story in this movie.
1: Yeah, it's almost, you always see parallelisms of what you go through. And then it's also like a different perspective of somebody else going through it. So certainly I've read similar reviews, but just like the whole acting and just being immersed in that. And the Korean family, and when it starts up, you see the boy and the girl responding back to the parents in English when they spoke. Like just a lot of those, like, even like the... The nuances of it kind of takes you back of like what it was to be with your family and in a new new environment, but also trying to fit in, but also tied to your roots. I think there's a lot of genuine connections that you feel towards a lot of the feelings that I evoke from the movie, for sure. And even just the exchanges between the parents. And it was almost, it's a weird like, I don't know, Twilight Zone feeling of like, it feels familiar but also feels new and just the pace of it was just very very immersive i thought it was well paced it wasn't too slow and it wasn't too fast but like something that really drew you in i felt
0: there was maybe it's like a stereotype of korean movies of which i've seen maybe 10 and (laughs) across genres too right like hard-boiled action dramas like weird psychological thrillers etc but i was really (laughs) my wife and i we were watching and i was like Oh, that person's about to die. Oh, they're setting that person <laughs> up to die. It's just like <laughs> bracing for something terrible to happen the whole time because I was so yeah. emotionally invested in these people. And I was like, Korean directors, you're about to rip my heart out. Please don't do that. I know. There the, the the was versa, it.
3: dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like there was an ins- like an impending sense of doom. It was I was I had my money on grandma or the little boy, oh, little like, boy. at any time. I was all moment. team little boy. Like, someone's gonna yeah. die
0: soon. Yeah. The cuter and the more charming the character, the more likely they're gone. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and that scene where they all go to go to church and I just I just and the the other little white children are asking these innocent but offen- sort of also like not not yeah. so inclusive questions. And I just, Gee, and I just thought is, it was I, gonna I, get I, much worse. <laughs> well, it, Jean, I, I, actually...
0: I gotta ask did that ever happen sorry i have to know like did everyone just start reciting like random like nonsensical <laughs> words tell me when one of these is korean like,
1: Come on. well i don't like because i i when when we moved to the states we moved to staten island which isn't the most like significantly korean no, that's why i thought like oh i i'm an alien but like it's usually either chinese <laughs> or japanese right and so there's like that whole like chinese japanese Kore- i mean korean was like not really well known besides the korean war circles i feel so i never got that but it was interesting that the whole like exchange because as an adult you're like immediately offended but it was in my husband even said like it's interesting how like the kids are so blunt but they don't they don't react that that like offended they just roll with it and I remember I was in this like I can't remember it was a work thing on on disability and how like children tend to be very like no filter but sometimes like it's like something it breaks the ice and it gets that conversation going and eventually like the kids seem to be very accepting of each other
0: well yeah because the next in the next moment I guess no, it was the daughter that got asked that question but like the next scene is like the boy saying, "Can I go spend the night at this kid's house?" And, yeah, and yeah. My wife was like, yeah. "I was never allowed to spend the night." So I gotta ask, who is your favorite character? Like for me, it's an obvious toss-up between Team Grandma or Team Little Boy. I think David is his name, but I think I netted mm-hmm. out on Team Grandma completely. What were you guys? hundred percent for me. Yeah. And and yeah, she yeah. and so she won. Team like, grandma she actually all the way. won. She, of all the Minari people, that's the one that won an award, right? Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm.
0: All right, Team Grandma. Yeah. yeah.
3: She was, I think, she was really funny, and she was all the weird, quirky grandma ness that I remember my own grandma to be. When I'm not Korean, but Asian grandmas, I think, or maybe all grandmas are the same in that way of just like teaching I, you how to gamble. I fell in love with her, <laughs> teaching you how to gamble, but just Non-due also just sort of...
2: wrestling. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's right, that's right. Or like my first moment was when she had come into the house and the daughter was so happy to see her and also a little bit ashamed of their situation right and the grandma said something like are you ashamed cuz the house has wheels that's fun <laughs> and i was like yeah like that's like such a that's such a grounded older person thing to say right it's like she's lived her whole life who cares we're living in a trailer this is awesome it's an adventure i really love that about grandma
0: i do feel like the daughter got the shaft as a character because like mm-hmm. she was just like, in a, everyone else had like these fully fleshed out moments and like darkness. And the daughter was just like an accessory <laughs> to the whole movie.
1: I think coming from being the oldest in know immigrant Korean family, it did represent that like there's a duty of you, you know, can't mess around. You have to be that model figure And also uh, with the boy, that like, oh, model son, I feel like the daughter steps into that like pseudo mom role too. And almost like she's there and to take care. And whenever her brother does something wrong, she's like, oh, like now I have to clean this up or I have to do this. And feeling that obligation of having to step into that like makeshift mom role while the mom is not around.
0: Yeah. I think the other thing that really struck a chord with me, as unfamiliar as the situation was, like, the arguments between the husband and the wife were so real and nuanced, yeah. like the stubbornness, the trading my dream for your dream. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I just, I was like, oh, shit, I've had that conversation. And I've been on the wrong side of this conversation a couple of times. <laughs> what about you, John? Did How did you see, like, the relationships? Um.
2: Well, I definitely, while I feel like uh, my marriage is, is is in a little bit of a healthier place, I can say that with, <laughs> with confidence, I definitely did, while I found it hard to like empathize as much with, with the husband, I did relate a lot to his, as an entrepreneur myself, I definitely, I felt very connected to his struggle of like wanting to get out of the rat race which in this case was chicken sexing (laughs) and (laughs) wanting that was a career (laughs) who knew and and wanting to like pursue his own version of the american dream and i guess he's in a very different position than i am like because he has kids and he is is the major breadwinner and he's also I, i believe he's supporting his family back in korea so it's a whole so i i sort of while I just felt that he—I hated him a little bit because I felt like he was so selfish. I also just and and because he just made terrible decisions, <laughs> he, his like unbridled optimism that he was going to figure things out and like and save his family and achieve this amazing agricultural vision that tied to his Korean roots. So, but I guess yeah, in terms of the the spousal arguments, I, I guess I, I certainly probably sided in this case a little bit more with the wife i'd say even the wife might be more of the father figure in some ways
0: (laughs) well i I never i never even thought the entrepreneur connection is definitely like one of the things i thought about when we had asked to have you on the show but even like his specific entrepreneurial vision is like i have i have this knowledge of this thing that is an unmet need and that's the Mm -hmm. thing i'm gonna sell and that's what you do in in a weird way with italy so i don't know like i i can't I can't hate Steven Yeun. Like, I don't know. I've, yeah. I've always had a soft spot for that dude. Cause he's, I think what made him famous was being on walking dead. And we're just telling another guest this, like what I love about his portrayal on that show is he's just a dude. I think he's like a pizza delivery guy who just happens to be Korean. Right. They never even like really get into his ethnic heritage in the show. And, but in this movie, he was just like, he leaned so hard into his Korean heritage and like, Gian, I think you or I think you sent me an article, or I sent you an article about like how much like all Asian people because a lot of the languages we had Hindi, Chinese, Korean are tonal languages. So even if like you grew up in America speaking the your mother tongue because of your mother, when you go back, everyone's like, "Oh my god, you've got such a bad accent! It's so terrible!" And apparently, like his Korean was just like flawless. I I don't know. Like I can't. I can't. I can't. Not like Steven Yeun, I guess is all I'd say.
3: And is he American-born or is he Korean-born? I think he's American-born. Yeah, right. I thought so too. He made – at the Oscars last night, I know you didn't watch him, he presented an award and talked about how Terminator was the first movie he had ever gone to. And it was actually a very sweet um, story that he told of his – of his mom taking him to his first movie and her pretending like she meant to bring this little seven-year-old boy into this movie where <laughs> people's heads were being blown apart and stuff. <laughs> and he was like, and from that moment, I fell in love with being on the screen.
0: <laughs> I, I want, so I want to ask another question because my wife has confirmed that I have horrible taste in men's looks, but I can't tell, is Steven Young attractive or not?
3: Oh, that's yes. a tricky question, Gian, You answer that. Why? Who's, who's, it's not going
0: to get you in <laughs> Actually, trouble. Actually, or no,
3: John, you can answer that too.
0: <laughs> I I just I don't know. Like I have, as a hetero male, I do have points of view on if men are attractive or not, and that I and I disagree with my wife on it. But I literally can't make up my mind on Stephen Young. So
3: he's. I don't think he's my flavor. He's not my ice cream flavor. <laughs> he's not, I
1: think I feel like he's a guy that like grows on you, like as.
3: I'm gonna get such an <laughs> underhanded comment. He's not hot. Yeah. He just grows on you.
1: It's kind of like the neighborhood guy, and you're like, "Oh, you know, he's kind of cute."
0: <laughs> All right, so John, two two out of three people say he is not attractive. <laughs> what do you say?
2: I I I think I'm probably the more bullish than some of the other. Panelists, but I would say he's not probably not number one on the list. But I think he's attractive and has that boy next door look about him, I I suppose. And he's got a great
0: personality, which which always helps. All right, so Jake Gyllenhaal has nothing to worry about. Good to know. Good to know. (laughs) Um. Uh, so a, a couple things, My we were on a vacation and with, with vaccinated family members, because you can do that now. And so I was watching it with my sister-in-law too, and she was telling me something towards the end of the movie, apparently, I don't know if you guys, I don't, and I actually, I don't know if she's like just feeding me a line, but the Minari plant, apparently the second season that it grows, it grows back stronger and better. And so I think that, that fact, that science fact about the Minari plant is like, the lesson or the metaphor of the movie. And I thought that was a really interesting take on how they had a good start, but it doesn't quite work out the way it's going to, but it's clear by the end of the movie, they're going to get a do-over and the do-over looks really good. And I, I thought that was, I guess it was more a subtle and sweet <laughs> versus, Oh, the Minari plate's going to make us a shitload of money. because <laughs> that's, that's where I thought the movie well, was going.
3: I feel like they should have explained that better because I didn't know that about the Minari plant, and had I known that, the closing scene would have made a lot more sense. Like that, la- if if that fact was just peppered in somewhere, like if Grandma had told the little boy that somewhere during the movie, that would have really made the ending stronger. So now I'm questioning the editing choices.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that would have been a little <laughs> little heavy-handed. I feel like if if they kind of, I liked the, <laughs> and I agree there was totally that mystery, but you knew there was something special about that plant and it was and grandma was the one who like didn't disregard it while the the patriarch of the family is is busy mansplaining how you like (laughs) how you run a farm and like that all literally goes up in flames i feel like you can get i think i i do agree the ending is definitely enhanced by that tidbit but i think the sweetness of that is still there in the movie for me at least
1: yeah, I was waiting for, because the title of it, and I was just waiting for some dramatic effect, like something's going to happen to that plant, or like a snake's going to come through the plants, and like something dramatic.
0: You d- like, You went totally <laughs> darker. Like I was thinking, oh, the plant's all burned down. Sorry, anyone who has not seen this movie, sorry, not sorry. But like, and now we have this other plant, and the Korean shop guy's can be like, oh my God, that's worth a lot of money. Let's go. Like, the family is (laughs) saved. I think that would have been even more obvious, though. So I'm glad they did not do that. I don't know. Anything else about this film? There are more than a few other things, as Sharon mentioned, probably worth talking about. I don't know. Any other takes on Minari?
1: And this may be nostalgic, but like where the dad had hired, what's his name? I forget
0: his name. Oh, yeah, the like the yeah. like super the devout Christian guy. guy. Yeah,
1: yeah, Paul. Like, no, yeah, um, yeah. And it was Paul. just like, yeah, Paul. And it was like, it wasn't, and it takes me back to like, I don't know, soup kitchen days, like and the soup Nazi guy in, in, in Seinfeld. But like the sense of like, there are people who are out there that are completely different and, and you don't quite disagree on them, but you still accept them in your circle. Like, and, and it's not like this complete like, Preaching of the choir perspective. I don't know. I thought that was nice. How yeah, that, he, that they brought that. relationship
3: in. was and this is where I think my own view of the world comes to play. I was expecting Paul to do something totally unexpected and even like messing something up for them. Like I didn't trust Paul at Same. all until the very end. Yeah. There was something and maybe again, that's probably just my own. I've got issues,
2: trust Which issues. I think Maybe that's guys. Maybe that's by design, right? He, he's this. We're like led to be a little scared of him. Like he's like coming in with with ill intent. We're gonna harm this family that right. we've grown attached to. And then I feel like it's that scene where he's you see like the the school bus pass by and all the the local kids are are like making fun of him and laughing. And you realize, mm-hmm. oh, he's just an outsider too. And like like we're we're just as quick to judge as others might be quick to judge this this Korean family that's, that moved there. I didn't think about it like that at the time, but now that you mentioned it, I, I definitely had that same, Oh, something is off with Paul. This is, it's not going to end well.
0: Yeah. Oh, and there was a real, really my dad moment with Paul in the sense that the scene when they invite him over for dinner and he goes around the house blessing it with holy water. And afterwards the dad is like, All right, we got to get up early tomorrow. Get out of here. My dad, our parents all have friends that they've known for years. And Paul came into their lives at a very formative moment. And every once in a while, I'll talk to my dad. It's like, well, what about your friends? And my dad is like, I don't have friends. I was like, well, who are these people that you've spent your whole life with since you came to this country? Oh, those are just people I know. (laughs) And so when the dad was like, all right, get out of my house. We got to be at work early tomorrow. I was like, okay, dad, thank you. It's like treating it as a very transactional relationship where it's clear there there is something deeper being formed, I guess.
1: I'm glad you said that. I feel like my family my parents have had a lot of train like where i thought were close relationships and they faded through the years and uh, in, in hindsight they always look at it more transactional i'm like oh was it is it really or you're just discounting it
0: yeah i don't know i i think i, I want to throw one last thing in there there's a kid's book it's beautiful sharon g and i think your kids are a little too old for it maybe not but it's this book by grace lynn called the ugly vegetables and the beginning of the movie it's about this uh, little girl who lives in an American white neighborhood somewhere in Massachusetts, probably based on where the author's from. And all the neighbors are like planting like beautiful flowers and her mom's literally planting these ugly vegetables that don't fit in. And it's like this real point of contention between the little girl and her mom through the whole book until the very end when the vegetables all bloom and the mom makes a delicious soup that all the neighbors want to come and have. And it's this like bigger metaphor of like, Fitting in, but not fitting in and like decidedly owning what you're going to do. And I don't know if there's something for obvious reasons, they're growing literally ugly vegetables in the, in Minari. But I thought, I thought a lot of the same sensibilities and morals were coming to life in the, in the movie. And that's probably why it, it struck a chord with me as well. But yeah. So, okay. So the actual like historic thing that happened at the Oscars this year was Chloe Zhao winning Best Director for Nomadland. I have not seen the movie,
3: guys. <laughs> did anybody else <laughs> Me see neither. Nomadland? No. But it's on my list of things to watch now that that yeah. one. I watched Minari thinking Minari would win. I, I put my money on the wrong horse.
0: I did see it, yes. Okay. No, so, John. John saw it. Educate John us. Saw it. Should we go watch this movie? <laughs> yes.
2: I mean, Francis McDormand. The, 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 all I have to say is it's just Francis McDormand being Francis. And she's, if you liked her Oscar acceptance speech, and I actually have memorized this because it was so brilliant, or I, I can at least paraphrase. She said something to the tune of, by the way, it must be like the shortest acceptance speech in the history of the Oscars, but she said something like, My voice is my sword. We know the sword is our work. And I love work. Thanks for knowing that. And thanks for this. And she holds up the Oscar and that's the speech. Something like along those lines. And she's just so crazy and wonderful. And I feel like that you get a lot of that in Nomadland. But no, beyond that you also get it's a beautiful story of where they actually have real people who are part of this nomadic culture within the u.s and so it's really unique and something i didn't really know about so you really get in the lives of these characters and it's sort of both sad and beautiful at the same time because it's a hard life that they have but it's also the life they've chosen that's all about being free and crazy and which again perfect for francis mcdormand (laughs) and so yes in short i recommend
0: (laughs) and sharon you said chloe zow's acceptance speech was cool like We'll put a link in the show notes, but why? What was so great about it? She talks
3: about, I forgot the phrase, but it's a phrase that her father taught her about always seeing the good in people. Mm. And she connects that to her ability to have consistently seen the good in people. But I think being a director, that's really key, right? Like it's her role and her job to tell a story, but also to inspire and get the most out of the actors that are on the screen Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so she just told this really beautiful woven it was almost like a a fable in some ways of like how her father had ingrained that in her and and how she's been able to carry that through
0: and then what did i'm gonna butcher this name yujun Yoon?
3: she won for best supporting actress okay and she's the first ever korean to win for supporting actress and she was grandma so she was grandma on stage too Super charming, and and she was really cute because she was saying, "How can I actually be winning this against Glenn Close?" Like I've been watching Glenn Close since the beginning, and and then she said something and like Glenn Close, like shakes her fist. Yeah, well, Glenn Close smiled politely, <laughs> and then she said something like, "This must be like American hospitality to Koreans." Like she was very, she was a cute little grandma about it. And, well, but you can also tell. the very and-
2: first thing she did in her acceptance speech was flirt with Brad Pitt, <laughs> which I oh, feel yes. like is like the perfect right. representation of the mischievous no-filter grandma, but also like the sweet yeah. like oh <laughs> grandma that we saw in the film, yeah. which was really refreshing, <laughs> nice to see.
1: Yeah, I caught the uh, YouTube clip and I I like the part where she was like, people mispronounce. She goes through like the mispronunciations for all her names. She's like, can I forgive you all? Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. She goes, tonight you're all forgiven. (laughs) That's
0: so good. That's so good. All right. And then there's so many other people that we're not going to talk about. But last but not least, Riz Ahmed, my boy, I'm such a Riz fan. I have not seen Sound of Metal. First question. Is Riz Ahmed attractive or not? Go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Suck it, Steven Young. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's so cool. It's not even funny.
3: It's it, it's like totally different energies. Yeah. The two of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I have not seen Sound of Metal. <laughs> it is on the Me list. Either. When my daughter goes to college, I will watch it. Oh, why? What? Well, what's so other than what's obvious, but like. I don't know, for those of you guys that saw it, what, what was? why do you think he deserved the award for it, even though he didn't get it, and he was robbed by fucking Anthony Hopkins? <laughs> that
2: guy. I
1: don't know if you watched it, John. I, I did catch it over the weekend. I don't know. It's just his energy. I feel like he has this presence when he's on the screen. And the movie was not what I expected it to go. I thought it was like a gradual, like his journey of losing his hearing, and it was just more of him coping with losing his hearing and it was just like very i don't know like it was very like silent just being able to capture what it is to come to terms with grappling constantly with your thoughts and also having on top of that being an addict i think that was very provocative and i think he just captured that presence
2: yeah, I did. I did watch it as, as well, and I really liked it. Although I would say you got to be in the right mindset to watch it because it's <laughs> it's definitely an intense movie. Also, before he loses his hearing, it's it's quite loud because he's a drummer. <laughs> you and did old did when you said that. Time. <laughs> I, I felt old when I was watching it. Turn that turn that music down, Chris. But no, I think I, I don't know if you guys have ever read the book by Andrew Solomon, Far from the Tree. But it's a great book where he talks about the differences between horizontal identities and vertical identities. And basically, vertical identities are basically like the cultural things you derive, or other sort of identifying things you derive from your parents. So being Korean would be one of those things. Whereas horizontal identities are basically things that become part of you that you have no connection to your parents on. So being gay could be one, being being deaf is also one. And Mm -hmm. they basically spend each chapter um, profiles a different a different group and and really gets into the sense of community and what their identity is all about and it's was it just reminded me a lot of that just in that without giving too much away about the movie when after he loses his hearing and he's basically goes to this almost like halfway house where where it, it's only deaf people and the lesson he has to learn is not how do I fix this but actually being deaf is not a disability it's an identity mm. you sh- and how do you learn to be deaf and mm. it can be a beautiful thing and i think the movie did a really special way of portraying that
0: cool were there any other films from the past year like and i i'm the worst cuz i've literally only seen actually i take that back at the beginning of 2020 before in the before times i got like an alamo Drafthouse pass and i went and saw i I stopped working at my startup and I was trying to figure out what to do next, taking a bit of a break. So I went and saw a movie like every other day and I saw Little Women and I saw the Adam Sandler film where he's like a guy in the Diamond District. And I'm guessing those must have come out in 2019 because I was surprised that a handful of them were not nominated. And I I guess my question is, were there any movies that you saw in the past year that you were surprised that didn't show up? Crickets. (laughs) That's <laughs> like,
3: just a good I, question.
0: Well,
2: I'm trying to think of movies that didn't show up altogether I, and and movies that I loved. I definitely loved Promising Young Woman. I thought that that mm-hmm. could have been, that could have also, mm-hmm. in my mind, I didn't expect it to win, but it could have been a contender for best, best Picture. So if you haven't seen that, I recommend it. Check it out.
3: I've only been watching Disney Plus films <laughs> for the last 12 months. <laughs> Like as you were talking, I was like Mulan, Raya, The Last Dragon. Nope, nope. The event, any Avengers movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, same here. All kids, all kids movies, so good and bad. <laughs>
0: I do have a fun fact for you. So Soul, the Pixar movie. I Pixar movies are just amazing, and so I watched Soul when yeah. it came out, and I think it was Pixar usually like just wins best animated because they just make better animated films. But I don't know if it's fun fact. G and you'll appreciate this. Do you Who did the music for Soul?
1: Yeah, Trent Reznor. Yeah,
0: so Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails did the music for Soul. So yeah, he was
3: there. He he went to accept the speech, the award. He didn't make the speech, but he accepted the award
2: yesterday. He is a short. Yeah, I definitely didn't know that before last night. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I did see a Nine Inch Nails concert. You know, back in my high school days. (laughs) <laughs> I can't say that that's now my preferred genre, but but it was one of my first concerts. That that, that was like five or ten years ago,
0: right, John? Yeah, exactly.
3: Basically, you know. basic about that, right?
0: Uh, one one random fact: so Trent Reznor also did the score for The Social Network. There is now, but related, unrelated. <laughs> so there's going to be a movie where Kelsey Grammer stars as like an aging rock star. And Weezer's Rivers Cuomo is going to score that movie. So anyway, there's a lot to read into that. <laughs> All right. So we've just about exhausted everything that we're going to say about this year's Oscars, especially since most of us didn't see any of the movies except Minari. <laughs> so what do you think, Sharon? Time for speed round. I'm with you on that. Okay. So first question: What's been your favorite Oscar winner or speech ever?
1: So, remember when, I think it was the director and also the main character in Life is Beautiful, and they called his name, and he, like, he like jumped yeah. up, and he, like, crawled over. Yeah, just because, like, that yeah. unabashed, like,
0: joy. Oh, Gee, and you totally yeah. stole my answer. Life is Beautiful remains one of the best movies I've ever seen.
3: <laughs> that would have been my answer, too. Is that unanimous across the board?
0: <laughs> what about you, John? Favorite Oscar moment? Well, I
2: feel like I can't say Francis McDormand because I already talked her up a lot, <laughs> so I'm going to go with. <laughs> I'm going to go, but otherwise, I would say Francis McDormand. But I'm going to go with Olivia Colman from The Favorite because I think everything she does is brilliant, and that was that should have been Best Picture that year as
0: well, in my opinion. Yeah. What is your favorite movie song? Oh, who goes first? <laughs> the
3: second, the second you mentioned that, I just thought of the Titanic, which is
0: so cheesy never let go he tells her (laughs) she (laughs) lets go and he drowns
3: (laughs) my heart will go on ramen my heart will go on (laughs) well I'll
2: build on that theme and I'll say Whitney Houston I will always love you for the bodyguard oh
3: oh (laughs) oh my god that would have been my
2: number two
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you know who originally sang that song
2: yes it's a Dolly
0: Parton song
1: I don't know. My mind's stuck on like Moana.
0: (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs)
2: That's good. Also a good one. Also (laughs) a good one.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Favorite minority celebrity hotties that you would want to have on a podcast.
3: All right. Hands down. I'm going first. Regé-Jean Page from Bridgerton. Uh (laughs) I want to interview him for hours.
0: <laughs> All right, what about you, John? I will go
2: with Rami Malik. I would I would do a podcast with him.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Just because he's top of mind, Riz Ahmed.
0: Yeah, my boy Riz. So I gotta ask, what do you guys think about Oscar Isaac? This is another one that my wife and I disagree on, and I think he's a very attractive man.
1: Oh yeah. Hmm. I agree. He is very good, good, good choices and roles too.
0: (laughs) All right. Last question. What does being a modern Minari mean to you? Sharon?
3: I don't even know what that means. What does that even mean? I think being a modern Minari means that at any moment you can reinvent yourself for the better and you can come back better and stronger than you are. Right now. Gian, I'm gonna pass the baton to you.
1: Similar to that, like because of the Minari plant, the like resilience.
0: What about you, John?
2: I would say that we all have our unique story that it is both off-putting to others but also special and beautiful, and that we're all kind of outsiders just trying to find our human connections. That's nice. Yeah.
0: Well guys, as always, thanks for joining and sharing for uh <laughs> Whatever this (laughs) is.
2: (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Thanks so much. This is great. Thank you. you. you.
0: And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review, and a five star rating on your favorite podcasting platform.
3: Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three.
0: Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us hi mom at modmypod.com.
3: You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you. Now,
0: here's a preview of our next episode.
2: At that point, all Muslims became societal pariahs. And being black, you already feel some sense of being marginalized. And Now I'm going to add to it. But I was really struck by how universal the message was. Remember your faith, being your best self, being a reflection of your religion when you interact with other people. I had grown up thinking Islam was different, and I was surprised at how common the things were. I could separate the zealots from the Arabs that I saw, the Chinese Muslims that I knew, the African Muslims. What I experienced it was just a world apart from that, and I wanted to be a part of it.
0: That's it for now. I've been Ramin Segal. And I'm still Sharon Lee tony Remember, we're all modern minorities out there.
3: We'll talk to you soon.